best advice I ever got. If you're going to do something, do it right the first time. Because if you don't do it right the first time, you're going to end up doing it again, and you're going to end up spending even more money. We've talked about that here on this podcast, about doing it right the first time. But how about the deck? How can you do the deck? How can you do that right the first time? Hey, let's build it with Corey Heppola and from Lindus Construction, Andy Lindus. Now, Andy, I don't want a deck. I want a great deck. Like, I want a deck that I can be proud of years from now, one that holds up, one that people walk by and go, oh, man, that, that's a really cool deck. I wonder what they did. Or, or even just one that we take pride when we walk on and we use and we see, and, and it's going to be something that we can take pride in for, for years down the line. Because uh, per your advice, let's do it right the first time so that we don't have to do it again. So I need some accessories that can make the deck look like it's the best on the block. What do you got? Well, before we get into the accessories, the majority of the decks that we're building, Corey, we're we're rebuilding. So these aren't, we're not showing, although we're getting to be more and more houses that were built in the early 2000s and they, they built them on the cheap. So there's just that deck board. We're getting into a more of those houses, but the majority of the decks that we build today already have a frame, already have some type of decking. So, and more often than not, we're tearing that down all the way down because that, that frame isn't worth saving. So for me, it starts with the frame of the deck. If you really want to set your deck apart and make it the deck that's going to last a lifetime, it starts with that frame, that metal frame. And we've been racking our brains for this for the last few years because here we are putting on a composite decking material, usually the AZEC material, and it's going to last forever. But I can't say that about the framing. Yes, it's all treated lumber, and it should last a long time if it's flashed properly and installed properly, and being that we're putting all of the framing one foot on center, so should you want to change your composite decking down the road, you can still use that frame. It should be okay. But, you know, about a year and a half ago, we made the switch to metal framing. And not only does it last longer than any of the wood products that we have, it's one of those things that when you look at it, Corey, it, it really makes a deck look different. I, I can't tell you, especially if the deck has any height to it at all. You know, you, you spend thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 on a deck and all you're seeing is green treat lumber from the ground. Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of an eyesore. Same thing with the pillars, they don't wrap them. So the more you can do to cover up that green treat and then highlight the wood colors and, and the other features of the deck, the better off you're going to be. And that, that, that framing, the metal framing, it's smaller in, in height than the wood framing. So it actually has a lower profile, it gives you a better chance to cap it, make the deck look good. You know, you spend all this money on the railing and the decking, let's highlight that part. Yeah, and the aesthetics make it look good as well as sustainable then for years down the line. Okay, so when we look at some of the accessories that are available for you, Andy, if somebody wants to spruce up the deck, I mean, one yep. thing that always jumps out to me would be, and I, I see this, but I see step lighting. You know, you have little mm -hmm. lights on the, on the steps that go up. And, and I, don't, I mean, that, that's not only aesthetically pleasing, it's also a safety thing too. It is, and, and, and compared to putting a big spotlight that brings up the whole deck, which can kind of sometimes be blinding, the better option is what you're what you're explaining is the low voltage LED lighting, and we're putting that on almost every decking now, downstairs, um, around the outside of the deck, anywhere that there's some seating areas. It really is a inexpensive way 
to give yourself uh, more use out of your deck as I know our, our days are long right now, but we're not too far away from my two favorite months of the year, September and October leading in November, where, you know, I think it's it, as good as it gets from five to eight o'clock at night. There's not as many bugs, but we're going to start using flashlights a lot more that time of year than we are right now. So the step lighting, uh, I suppose there's rail lighting as well. Yeah, all, all there's all sorts of different lighting that we can put on your deck. We can run it on timers. We can do it on daylight, night, uh, nighttime switches. We can have it on multiple switches. We can have it uh, sectioned off. We can put it underneath the deck. So really, the, the sky's the limit when it comes to lighting your, your outdoor living space. What are some of the other accessories that, that would make your deck the best on the block? One of the things that, that more customers are requesting or not, not really requesting, demanding out of their outdoor living space is not only a dining area, they're looking for an outdoor couch, a sitting area, a relaxing area. We're putting in water features and fireplace features in those areas. So it's not just about you know, popping a grill out there and uh, you know, an outdoor patio set that you can sit at. People want a place that they can be for hours nice comfortable chairs areas that are calming you know any type anytime you add a fire or a water feature it's just more inviting and it's a spot that you're going to want to be in more and more yeah are people putting uh, i suppose they're putting like uh, you talk about september and october putting in like heaters you'd have heaters up there too yeah you know we just did one where it had two outdoor fireplaces and then they also have mobile heaters that they can actually bring out and run extra overhead heat should they need you know it's a large deck we're talking one that's like 60 feet long but they have two different fireplace features and they have the chance to be able to move mobile heaters around the deck to where they're sitting again they're on a lake they're going to want to use it in october they're going to want to be outside so again it's it's not that much extra when you're talking about a project that can be 30 40 50 thousand dollars and you're talking about for a few hundred dollars you can add some fireplace features it, it usually is a pretty pretty much a no-brainer now i know a lot of people would roll their grill out there right or or they'd they'd have you know maybe one in the front and they'd have one in the back can you build one into your deck and is that something that should be an option for people yeah and it, it's a great option and and i'm telling you uh, i know that sourcing materials the last year and a half has become difficult for outdoor living spaces um especially the, the some of the some of the nicer things some of the modular kits can take months on end to get and you and i were discussing before you know uh, necessity is the mother of all inventions and americans have, have figured figured out that uh, if i build it people will buy it and they're building some really cool things and some really cool things for do-it-yourselfers. You, you have the ability to order kits that have countertops, sinks built into them, fridges built into them, corner pieces, and then you can piece it together. You can take the dimensions of your deck and there's websites that, that you can go on and they'll design the entire kitchen for you. Or you hire a company like us and we can stick build it and we'll frame it up and get the granite countertops in. And there's a variety of grills and side burners that you can install. Uh, on those decks for, for, for built-ins. Um, right now I can think of 10 different wood pellet burning stoves you can get to have installed on an outdoor kitchen. And when you couple that with a seating area, a dining area, it quickly becomes one of the most used areas of your home. I, I can tell you this, Corey, I've now had a really good covered porch with an outdoor kitchen for about a year and a half. My family and I spend half of our time on that now. 
if we're awake, mm -hmm. half of our time is spent in that area. We eat almost every meal in that area. We cook almost every meal in that area. I don't know about you, but being able to take the backpack blower to something after it's all grimy and dirty and I can hose it down. I go out there with the pressure washer. It's, it's, it stays clean. It's easy to maintain. It's all, you know, you wash it every now and then and, and you're, you're grilling outside. It's, it's just a, a better way to live as far as I'm concerned. Okay. What's your level of use of tin foil on the grill? <laughs> Do you using tin foil on the grill? I get made fun of because I use tin foil a lot. I don't like everything to get dirty. I know that's the point, but but do you use tin foil on your grill? No, no. And I've seen your post about tin foil, and I, 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 I don't. I understand the cleanliness part of it, but you know, I, I grew up in, in a hockey association, mainly of volunteers, and we had this grill, Corey. We would cook the the world famous Blackhawk hockey brats, thousands of brats on a couple of weekends a year, and this grill never got clean. I mean, it had, and honestly, I've tried. I know the exact recipe. I know where we get the brats. I, I go and I boil them the exact same way. I cut up the same amount of onions in it. I use the same beer and I grill it on my grill. It's not the same brat. So I think you're, you're missing out on some flavor, buddy. Years <laughs> of flavor you've left out of the, of the equation. So I, I know I have maybe gone a little too far on my own grills where <laughs> I've had to deal with a couple of grill fires in my day, but I, uh, I think uh, my way is more flavorful than the tinfoil clean way. I have been made fun of relentlessly by uh, so many listeners and audience members and friends and family for our choosing of, of using tinfoil. Uh, that's a big mistake. You know, it's a big mistake on the grill. Uh, you have some big mistakes that people make here when refinishing their deck. Hey, here's what's trending. Okay. Biggest mistakes people make when refinishing their deck, Andy. You know, the pressure washer is, is probably the culprit of causing more damage and wasting more time than, than, than needed. It, if you get a proper stripper on your deck and you're refinishing the deck, you shouldn't need a lot of pressure from the pressure washer. The other mistake people make is if you're going to use a pressure washer, you're going to end up sanding something. Especially if you have an, a deck that, that somebody had the wherewithal to put in, you know, hidden fasteners so you can sand it. The, the difference of sanding a deck compared to pressure washing the deck and the refinish job that you're going to get, it's amazing. I've seen cedar look so bad, and then after it gets sanded and refinished the right way, it looks brand new. In fact, I, I one could argue, Corey, that it looks even better than the first day it was installed because the wood has more character than it did then. You know, it's, it's distressed a little bit more. It's taking the stain differently. It's, it's, when, you, when you go through that process it, it, the right way, it can look awesome, but the, the, the mistakes with the pressure washer is you know, too high a pressure, and then you're going to waste so much time because you're just trying to take everything off with the pressure washer. And one thing that I learned um, when I was younger, and I, and I think this is the case, tell me if I'm wrong on this, but you, you have to clean it first, right? You, you have to clean, you can't just jump on the thing and start, start working. Like you have to clean it first, right? You do. And it all depends on what type of stain that you had before. And this is why I always recommend Penifin or Sickens. Uh, those are two stains that I'm most familiar with. They're both oil-based stains. And what, what that means is after you do it once and you go through the process the right way the first time, you know, for the next 15 years, you know, every other year, you're just going to have to reapply a little bit. And yes, you do have to clean it, get all the grime off of it, but you don't have to pressure wash it. I, I'm talking even like a, a, a scrub brush with some Dawn dish soap, you let it all dry out 
And once it's dry, you can reapply that oil-based stain, follow the directions, don't leave it too thick, and, and you're gonna be good. Now, if I had to pick another mistake that, that people make on, on, on staining, like a new deck, say you just installed a brand new cedar deck, Corey, and we talk about this all the time, and, and, and Denny, your, your cohort, is the first person that pointed this product out to me, and I happened to be refinishing my deck, and I, I tested it. I couldn't believe the difference in the part of the deck where I had used this product compared to the part of the deck where I didn't use this product and how it took the stain. And what this product is, is a brightener and conditioner. A bunch of different companies make it. Um, the one I used was made by Bayer. And when, when lumber goes through a mill, especially the, the last year and a half, I mean, the supply and demand, I mean, the, the supply chain was pinched. I mean, it was 24-7. If they were running a mill, they were pumping that stuff through there. So, and every time a log goes through a mill, it's going to create some heat. And that heat's going to close the pores off of the wood. And it won't allow you to take the stain. So there's a mill glaze on that wood. You put the brightener conditioner on it, it opens those pores back up. And, and, and the penetration, not only are you getting more penetration of the oil-based stain, but it's actually going to absorb it faster. It's going to be easier to refinish. So I remember doing this as a kid. <laughs> Not that I did a whole lot, but my parents did more <laughs> of it. But we had a deck that needed to be restained every couple of years. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I remember that. So I remember cleaning off first. I remember um, pressure, pressure washing. Um, one thing I remember my parents, you know, doing and, and talking about and talking to me about, too, was, you know, th the amount of stain, too. Is it too much? Is it too little? Do we need another coat? Um, you talked about going cheap on stain. Don't do that. But. But I, I think like managing too, how much is too much or how much is too little, where's the right spot? I think that's something too that, that is obviously a focus. Well, and, 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 and how you pick your applicator and how it's going to be installed. I mean, they make some pretty good tools nowadays and how it's going to go on a reservoir that's going to put out the proper amount. But when I apply stain, I put it on pretty thick and not in a big area, but I'm going to put it on pretty thick and then I'm going to wipe it all off. It's not going to be tacky. And if you're trying to do, if you're putting it on pretty thick and not wiping it off and you're having the weather like we're experiencing right now, you're going to be restaining that deck really quickly. It's just not going to apply. It's never going to dry. It's always going to be tacky. So follow the directions on the can. They're there for a reason. The temperatures that they're allowed to apply that, that, that perfect stain. And, and, and when it comes to the two stains that I recommended, Penifin and Sickens, there's a lots of different styles of stain to choose from, whether it's a color selection or uh, uh, the, the, the chemicals that that stain is made up of, how it's going to penetrate. I know I have some customers that have used their marine-based stain, which is going to penetrate even farther than their other stain, and they've had really good luck, but you know they, they chose that stain because they put on you know a crazy Brazilian hardwood like ePay. So there's, there's some cool products out there, but you just gotta follow the directions on the can. You're usually pretty safe. Well, should you try to do it all in one day or is this a multi-day project? I would choose the right way over speed any day. If you have enough hands on deck and you can do it the proper way all in one day, yeah, it's going to be better. It's probably going to be more uniform that way. But if you're rushing it through and just trying to get it all done and then chances are mistakes are going to be made, you're going to cut corners and that's when, when bad things happen. I'm telling you, when it, when it comes to home improvements, it's just, it's just not... 
buying the the most expensive thing it's it's having the wherewithal to do it the right way the right way usually takes more time yep and besides people going cheap people cut time and try to save time more than they like to go cheap even and, and there's more mistakes by by just trying to save time and trying to get through it i mean we're we're all working. We're trying to get it done on a weekend. Do-it-yourself projects. You don't want it to, you know, string out three weekends long. And I, I get it. And but, you know, our good friends at Milwaukee have made some pretty awesome tools for lighting up job sites. If you haven't checked them out lately, and and uh, you're running out of daylight as we get into a little fall here, I think some of these lights, these project lights for even the do-it-yourselfer, might have a your neighbors might not be very happy lighting up the neighborhood, but. I know uh, I would use uh, some of those outdoor lights in the wintertime and in the, in the late fall for sure. Yeah, that's a good tip. Andy, what else you got? Hey, here's a pointer. All right. When it comes to building a deck, sometimes you don't realize how expensive and how much space a staircase is actually going to take up. And a lot of times people build the story and a half deck and they don't even put a staircase on. We're like, oh, we're just going to use it from the upstairs. We don't need... I'm telling you, as soon as you do that, it's only a matter of time before somebody tries to jump off it because they just don't want to take – talk about time savers. Hey, uh, I don't want to take the time to walk through the house to get to the basement on the outside. I'm just going to take a risk off the deck here. But take a look at a spiral staircase. One of the things one of my deck designers, uh, Luke Panic, pointed out to me is not only is it easier to see through and to take up less space, sometimes it can actually be less expensive – than building a full-fledged staircase. So it's a it's a nice option to take a look at. It doesn't take away from your sight lines as much, and it's really easy to get down to your, your yard. I uh, have a couple of uh, spiral staircases in our my family's properties that I've had to deal with, and the one thing that you're not gonna like about them is trying to move anything up them or carry anything up them. But when it comes to having a staircase or no staircase, I would take a spiral staircase over no staircase. I like the way they look too. I just think they're mm -hmm. aesthetically pleasing. I like the way those spiral staircases look. They really do. And and they actually install pretty quickly, Corey, once once you get the hang of it. Yeah. I think it's classy. It's a classy look, mm -hmm. Andy. Yeah. It's a good way to praise it. And yeah. it's cheaper All than right. a normal one. How often we say it looks better and it's cheaper. It's, and it's, it's pretty cheaper. Rare. That's a tip. Yeah. Andy, thanks, man. Thank you. 